Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, hope you're having a great start to your Wednesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power SBN, and free wherever you get your podcast. But we are in the midst of January, and of course, that means... Every regular offseason, that's the start. Uh, you have International Signing Day, the start of International Signing Period. Uh, this time it was on January 15th, and the Braves have made plenty of headlines. And there's no one better when it comes to the Battery Power uh, Podcast Network as well as BatteryPower.com than Garrett Spain, the head of the minor league coverage for Battery Power. Garrett, how are you doing? Thank you for taking the time to be with us on what's a, a pretty exciting start to the week when it comes to the Braves and new talent that they've added to the system. Oh, absolutely. It's exciting. Um, I'm doing well, you know, kind of getting geared up for the season, kind of getting into our preseason coverage type of stuff. So it's it's kind of a good time to really get back into baseball after it's been uh, a few months off and really dig into some new guys in the system. It's always exciting to have new talent in. Um, and how are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, you know. I'm not, I'm gonna, not gonna lie. I, I don't know. Uh, the, the, I don't know this specific uh, stuff as much as you do. That's why I always enjoy talking to you when it comes to you know your excellent coverage of the minor league system. And, and again, you know, we talk about the international signing day. You know, this is is even more of a crapshoot than when you're looking at the amateur draft, Garrett. Now, and, and we'll start here. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the all MLB teams coming into their international signing day, it's the fact that the usual age of the kids that are getting signed, and I say kids because that's what they are, but the usual age of these players that are getting signed on international signing day, they're typically two to three years younger than, than the age of some of the players that you're looking at the the amateur draft. So we we before we get into the specifics of the players, just talk about that just for a second. How much of a crapshoot is the International Signing Day, especially with how much money these teams are investing in these kids? Or would people be surprised to know that even at a young age, there's plenty of information already out there on kids these youngs as uh, th- th- these this young as teams are investing this much money in them? Yeah, it's really just, you know, the idea with the International Signing is to get as many players in as possible and hope one of them hits. I mean, if um, our own Daniel on our site actually did something a few months ago last season that was really kind of looking at the value of signing higher end guys in the international versus the lower end guys. And it seems to be, I mean, those higher end guys don't work out all that often. You even look at 
recent history with the Braves, Kevin Maiton was supposed to be a generational talent that they signed in 2015 and barely made it out of a ball. And, uh, you know, obviously that wasn't with the Braves because he lost him due to the sanctions at that time. But, you know, these guys, they're signing now at 16, 17 years old, but they're really agreeing to these deals when they're 13 and 14 years old. And, you know, you're scouting middle school age players and there's just, it's, you don't know when guys are going to hit puberty, what's going to happen. And so it's just, you know, you'll get a lot, some pop-up guys late. You'll tend to get pop-up guys throughout the season. You know, a guy like that would be in the system, John Carlos Lara, who is a bit of a late bloomer and those guys will tend to sign, but all in all, I mean, you've got, not too terribly much of a better chance with a guy getting a million dollars as you do with a guy getting 20,000. It's you're, these guys are signing and agreeing to deals so early on in the process that it's almost impossible to guess their physical development. It's more looking a lot of these guys. It's looking at the hit tool type of stuff, how they handle pitching They're their, the way they approach the game and stuff like that, that's really the only thing you can gout at that age is the way they approach the game, their feel for hitting, their feel for the game. And you just hope that physically they're able to develop. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that brings us to, you know, who a name that we have heard, I think, for nearly a year. I mean, you you, you mentioned it, Garrett. You know, I, I know there are rules in place, but it, it, it's 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 no secret that MLB teams are that uh, they have an idea of who's going to be their major get on these international signing days, months, even perhaps years before the actual signing day comes to it. And it seems like that was the case for the Braves and what seems to be one of the, you know, biggest international signing day um, uh, gets that they've had in, in recent history. And that, that, of course, is the number three overall ranked prospect, according to MLB.com, in this year's class, infielder Jose Padermo. The Braves signed him for around $5 million. Before I give you center stage, Garrett, in terms of talking about why Perdomo is such a big investment for the Braves and what's so exciting about his future, a couple of quick hitters just to kind of, you know, get an idea of, of what level he is when it comes to a signing. I've seen people say that he's the biggest signing the Braves have made on the international scene since Kevin Maton. When it comes to, you know, out of a scale of 10, where would you rank Perdomo compared to Maton? Is 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 one higher than the other? Or on a scale to 10, how would you compare the two in terms of their overall hype as a prospect at their age? I mean, in terms of hype, Maton was, you get those guys really once every three to five years. And so, I mean, that's an easy 10 on the scale. Perdomo, fantastic prospect and a guy that we, that got teams have known about for a while, but I don't know. He's not seen on that level. And, you know, even this year you look and he's the third best prospect in the overall in the group. And it's very clear that he's not number one. Um, You know, no one really sees him as number one, even no, a couple of years ago, he was seen as maybe a guy who could be number one. So he's definitely a fantastic signing. Uh, you know, a guy, he's the best that they've had since my ton. You know, probably, I mean, if you're looking on a scale of one to 10 in terms of those signings, maybe, you know, an eight type of guy where those guys are there every year, but you do have to spend a lot of money to get them. They're not just going to fall into your laps type of thing. 
And of course, Jonathan Cruz talked about it, you know, in his uh, comments today. You know, what specifically stood out to me, um, uh, Garrett, was that, you know, the Braves had, you know, first been introduced to Perdomo at, at the age of 12. And what really stood out to them, what, what you know, he Jonathan Cruz acknowledged it himself just like you did. You, you don't know with how young these kids are, how they're truly going to develop, but you gain an idea, you gain some measurables to really focus on. And it seems like something that stood out about Perdomo is the advanced feel that he has at the plate, the confidence that he has in his swing when he was overmatched against, you know, much more mature competition on the mound he made good adjustments to be able to have success against it that's what stood out about him you know we heard today a comp that he's a young Miguel Cabrera now that it seems to be very high praise for a kid his age but let's talk specifically about Perdomo again the the prize of this class for the Braves signed for five million dollars what about Perdomo Garrett is so intriguing and why should Braves country be excited about, you know, someone that could potentially be, you know, instantly our best hitting prospect in our class or in our minor league system. Right. A guy like Perdomo, it's rare to get a player who hits as well as he does at his age. I mean, just generally speaking, a guy that's 16 years old or 17 now that hits as well as he does is rare, you know, and that's a guy that would be, an easy first round, early first round projection. If we're looking at it, if there was a draft and he was eligible for that. Um, in addition to that, he's also, it seems like physically the way he's developed, he's going to stick at the shortstop position, which is a big key for him. Having a guy that can play even average defense at shortstop and be a plus hitter is there are only a handful of those guys in the game right now. So to have a guy that has that advance of a feel at his age who can seems like he's progressing and can handle the position defensively, that gives him really a fairly high floor in terms of, I mean, no 16-year-old has a high floor. But in terms of compared to high floor maybe isn't is the incorrect word there, but a better chance of panning out where his power doesn't need to develop you know, if he's an average defender and a plus hitter or even an above average hitter, he doesn't have to hit 20 home runs a year to be an extremely valuable defender. He can, he, you know, he's a smaller guy now. He's 5'11". There's still time for him to grow. He could grow. Guys have done that in the past. He could stay 5'11 and, and hit four. You know, the projections are looking at average-ish power. You know, for that, a guy that, if he hits for average power and he – fills out as a hitter, it really doesn't matter what position he plays. He's going to be fine. But if he's a plus hitter as a shortstop, then that becomes immediately one of the centerpieces of any team if you can have, if you can produce that sort of value on the field. Absolutely. And, and I agree. So so that's what stands out is that to your point, you, you, you know, you don't sign these guys for what their floors can be. And it's hard to guarantee what their floors are as 16-year-olds. But if you can find multiple 
um, traits about these players that you really feel confident in. And in Perdermo's case, being an above average to better hitter while also sticking to the shortstop position, that's a pretty good combo to have in today's game. So that certainly seems intriguing. So we'll go as far to ask this. You know, last year, um, we all, we signed an outfielder, I believe Luis Guanipa is how you pronounce his name. Um, I believe that he and many uh, lists for the Braves is ranked sec as their second best position prospect right now after Nacho Alvarez. But where does Perdomo immediately slot when it comes to the Brave system? A system that at the top right now definitely ha has many arms ranked highly, you know, in terms of being, you know, what's viewed as the best prospects in its system. But where does Perdomo instantly slot in terms of his ranking among the best position prospects in the Brave system? It's hard to say he's not number one. I mean, the Braves just haven't invested that much in the position player side over the past five or so years. And so there's really not a ton of position player talent for him. I will say, you know, we have our top 30 prospects coming up. We didn't rank him specifically because, you know, with a guy like Matan in the past, we've been burned on guys where, you know, the scouting on these players when they're, they're scouted because they agree to these deals when they're 13, 14 years old. After that point, the scouting on these guys tends to slow down because there's no, you know, once the guy's already signed to a deal, there's no point in continuing to sink resources into uh, scouting him. It's, it's just, it's done. It's a done deal. You don't have to worry about it as much. And so these guys, when they're 15, 16 years old, don't actually get as much attention often as they did when they were 13, 14 years old. So there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns in terms of how he's going to adjust moving over to the United States. And so we are like, personally, I'm not ranking him right now just because there's so many unknowns with him. And we want to see him play professional baseball before we make those rankings. But I think looking at it from an objective standpoint, there's not really anyone in the system that has his combination of feeling as well as what seems to be uh, a high likelihood of sticking at a premium defensive position and being able to hit. And so I would probably say he's the number one hitting prospect in the system, but it's definitely, I, I don't think he's far I don't think right now he's clearly ahead of guys like Alvarez and Guanipa by leaps and bounds just because, again, he hasn't played professional baseball before. And these guys have had success, but it's really, you know, what we heard about him would indicate that he's the best in the system prospect wise. Sensible, logical, makes perfect sense. But the point is, is that the Braves got someone who could slot up there among their best position prospects. And that's certainly what you want to hear when you're investing that much money into a prospect like uh, uh, Jose Perdomo. But of course, you know, when like you mentioned, and Jonathan Cruz mentioned this, you know, someone who's been at this for years for the Braves, it truly is a crapshoot. So you you bring in a quantity, right? It's more of a quantity game even than, you know, specifically identifying quality because you want to see if there can be someone that develops out of, you know, your 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 signings in this class 
that may not get, you know, in the millions of dollars, like you said, that may get around the twenty to $30,000 range. But there are a couple of other names. Uh, I believe outfielder Juan Espinal, I believe he earned 440000 from the Braves, um, so, such as him. There are a couple of other names in this international class that seem to be, uh, you know, a little bit above, you know, the, the, the rest of the class itself. Two or three other names, Garrett, that that you specifically want to put a spotlight on. You know that could, as we look, as we go a few years in the future, these are a few names that, when we look back, they could emerge as being a great find in this year's international class beyond Perdomo. Right. I mean, I think Espinal is a guy that you know we've looked. I mean, we've been doing our our scouting on watching TikTok videos. I mean, that's the amount of information we're working with here. Is you know six second clips on. Um, TikTok, but we also we actually have a little bit of information because with Espinal he is on um, perfect game, so we have some level of we have some metrics in terms of we know his speed and his arm and stuff like that. And so you're looking at a guy that seems to have some power. He he has speed. He has arm strength, and so that level of athleticism is really what you're betting on when with a guy that's 16 years old is you're betting on that pure athleticism and just kind of hoping it develops in this case. And so that's a guy that, you know, they've had success doing that in the past. I mean, really the guys that the Braves have had the most success with out of the international class in recent years, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, William Contreras, these were guys that were signed for $100,000, $300,000. So there is value to be had top to bottom. And Espinal fits that mold of the hyper-athletic outfielder that they really like to target. Uh, Gabriel Sessa is similar. Uh, he seems to be a guy that's a speedier outfielder, has a lot of athleticism. And so you're going to see them tend to favor that, you know, with your lower-level signings, and they do this in their draft as well, they favor that high-end athleticism and – give their development staff the faith to say, we believe you can work with this, get what you can out of them, you know, projecting pitchers. Really, when you look at projecting pitchers at the uh, international level, I mean, 16 year olds, there's so much that can go wrong. One with just injuries, of course, that's every pitcher, but these guys, all of these guys at this level, tend to be able to throw 91 to 94. They all have a curveball. They all have a slider. They all have the same similar traits. And so, especially with pitchers, there's a lot of just unknown with those guys where none of these pitchers, none of the pitchers really stand out because none of them have that. You know, it's very rare that a pitcher at 16 years old is doing enough to really stand out. You know, every now and then a guy that throws 99 pops up. But most of these guys still have a lot of physical development left for them. And so it's hard to really pinpoint pitchers. That's why if you look at the top 50 or so prospects in the league, there's one pitcher on that list, one or two pitchers on that list. And that's all that's going to be in your top 50, just because it's impossible. It's a, it's impossible to project 18-year-old pitchers. So projecting 15-year-old pitchers, it's just, it can't be done. You just get the best athletes you can and kind of hope it works out in the end. And so this leads me to the question that I had, you know, that or to another question that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, I mentioned it last week in the Daily Hammer. I talked about the fact that it seems for the Braves, and it seems like you you hit the point spot on because it's so hard to evaluate pitchers in terms of their major league potential when they're 15 years old. It certainly seems as if, and this may be widespread in baseball, the Braves have focused on in in recent years on the international signing classes to, you know, kind of infuse talent to the lower levels of their minors 
with position player prospects. And I said the Braves probably one motivating factor for them to do that is because they're so young and so good already when it comes to the position core that they have at the major league level. But then in the amateur draft, the Braves look to, you know, move on pitchers in early rounds that, you know, can go through the system pretty quickly and they can stockpile those arms in the higher minor league system. Is that a fair assessment that when it comes to the international uh, signing classes year after year, the Braves are really looking to add position player prospects and hope to continue to build up the lower levels of their minors through that avenue, both to develop some players that could help the Braves three to five years down the line, but also some prospects that could be used in trades as the Braves continue to try to supplement their young position core in the majors in the future. Is that is that kind of a fair assessment of how the Braves approach both the amateur draft and international signing day? I would say that, I mean, when you're looking at the draft, it's definitely, it's no secret. They want to spend their money on pitchers to because there's just more overturn with pitching at the major league level. They need more pitchers. So they want to get, you know, these guys that are at the minor league level, if they ever get past a ball, it's still going to be four or five years before they're ready. And the Braves need to sink their money on the draft side in terms of getting guys that can be there in two to three years. And because they're doing that, yes, they have a position player core at the major league level. That's right now locked down for a few years. And they really don't have to do a ton in terms of, getting guys up to that level immediately, but they still have to get position player talent in. And there has to be depth in the system on that side of things. And it tends to be, you know, if they're not going to use their money on the draft side of things to do that, then using the money on the position on the international side of things to get position players is really the way to go. And, you know, what I was talking about when you're talking about looking for athleticism with guys and specific traits, it's, cheaper to do that on the international signing side. You're getting these guys that are 16 years old for $10,000. You know, the 18 year old athlete coming out of high school, isn't signing for $10,000, $20,000. It's just not happening. And so if you want that sort of athleticism and you don't want to really pay a lot of money for it, the international class is the way to go. And that's not a great system. I mean, that hurts the players and it makes their lives harder. And I, it's definitely a system that, could use some fixing, but the way the system is in place, if the, the best value is to get a bunch of those position player prospects, those high level athletes for as cheap as you can get them. And again, just hope that stash a bunch of them in the Dominican summer league, hope two or three of them stand out and you can get guys, you know, last year there was a guy, um, Mario Baez, who wasn't a major signing, but was at 16 years old, one of the better players in the system and is starting to sneak in and get top 30 recognition because that's just, you just don't know how these guys are going to develop and it's best and spreading out your money on the international side to get as many athletes as possible is a great way to stock up the system and potentially have those one or two hits that come down the road, like an Acuna, like a Contreras that suddenly you're looking at a high end talent that you have to actually invest a ton for. You no, know, the fact that you know we're getting into uh, um, a pro top prospect uh, season or top prospect list season across many outlets in Major League Baseball before the 2024 season, many outlets will be releasing their top 100, 200, 101 prospects 
what have you. But I believe it was Baseball America. You know, Hurston Waldrop appearing on the top 100 list, that's not surprising. We'll likely see A.J. Smith-Shaver appear on several of them as well. But Nacho Alvarez, we're talking about position prospects. Nacho Alvarez is starting to emerge. He, I believe, was in the top 101 of Baseball America. It seems as if for a few years now, the calling card of Alvarez has been, I believe, plate discipline, plate vision, just, you know, very good ability to, to uh, pitch recognition when he's at the plate. But now that he's starting to get potentially some top 100 prospect love, what really stands out about his game? And is he progressing as the Braves? And, you know, when you're assessing him, you had hoped. Is he continued, continuing to progress into an intriguing prospect that, you know, either could knock on the door of the majors here in the next few years or potentially, you know, could be a valuable trade piece uh, in a move that the Braves make? Right. So Alvarez ranked in the top 101 for baseball prospectus. I personally would not have him that high. I do like him a lot. I will say I like him a lot. I respect putting him there. I personally wouldn't have him that high, but there was a, this is a guy that they didn't really invest a ton in. You know, a guy that they invested around 400,000 in um, as a fifth round pick. And really he's done nothing but hit at every level line drives to all fields Fantastic defense at third base, has played good defense at shortstop, great plate discipline, and he's only 20 years old. So he was a younger guy. He he came out of a junior college. So he was a younger junior college guy who's already in high eight at 20 years old. And so all of your progressions, he's on pace for all of his progressions. I think the question with him is his power production. He's a strong player. He has the physical strength to do it, but his swing isn't necessarily geared to hit for power. They made efforts towards the end of the year last year to have him hit for more power. He had stretches where he did. He had stretches where he didn't. But overall, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's, you know, I don't want to say similar to Perdomo, but in that same vein of a guy who can play shortstop and hit is immediately a valuable piece. He can play fantastic defense at third base, could play second base, and all of those tool sets along with a guy who has a good feel for the game. He has a good plate discipline. He, he's a little over patient sometimes in terms of, you know, when you look at the minor league level, the zones are a little bit wider than they actually are at the major league level, because if they weren't, there would be 30 walks a game. It, it, guys at the lower levels just can't control their stuff very well. And so he kind of got into situations where his eye was a little bit better than the umpires in, at times. And so you know, it's kind of a tough to evaluate that, but he's a guy who has played discipline. He has a clear he has a clear vision of the ball. He knows the zone well. It's more for him. He needs to develop an approach that allows him to tap into power and hit the ball with authority more often. His approach in terms of balls and strikes is good, but his terms and pro his approach in terms of attacking strikes leaves things to be desired at times where he's either too patient with hittable pitches or he will look at a strike, say, I can hit that and go for a pitch when maybe later in the bat there would be better things to hit for him. So there is some approach issues that most every 20-year-old is going to have that he needs to develop. And I think that his the question marks with his power are kind of where his issues are now and what's going to keep him off of like that. The fact that he's really not hitting for power 
and he's playing shortstop and he's playing it well, but he's not, he's a solid shortstop. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he isn't the rangiest player. And so is he an above average shortstop? No. Is he at fringe average? Maybe. And so with that, he probably does eventually get moved to third base. And if he doesn't hit for power at third base, it's going to be hard to stick, even if he is a fantastic defender over there. So I think the question marks in terms of his defensive home and in terms of his power production are why I personally wouldn't put him in the top 100. But he's a guy that I know, hardworking guy, has a great feel for the game, really knows what he's doing at the plate and has the ability to make contact with really anything. And those are all traits that will play at the major league level regardless of what position he plays. If he can hit, teams will find ways to use him. Even if it's an a bench role, teams will find a way to use a guy that can hit the way that he can hit. Absolutely. And you know that the eyes of Braves country will be, you know, focused on Alvarez a bit closer now, especially with Vaughn Grissom now in Boston. And so, you know, I, I will wrap up. I know that we, you know, talked, the main focus of this has been the international signing period, uh, Garrett. But but I have to ask, you know, of course, you know, to me, the two biggest prospects that, that the eyes of, you know, Braves country and well as baseball will be on when it comes to the Brave system this um, summer, or excuse me, this spring training, will be A.J. Smith-Shaver as well as 2023 first-round pick Hurston Waldrop. Now, me personally, I I'm not putting any type of stock in this. I think that one eventually becomes a long-term piece for the Braves in their rotation, and the other potentially is used in a package to go get the pitcher that the Braves bring in to be the ultimate replacement for Max Freed when it's likely Freed walks a year from now in free agency. If you want to comment on that, please do. But more specifically, uh, in terms of you know your outlook for both Hurston Waldrop and Smith Shaver, where are you at in terms of you know where they may be on top 100 lists? Are they clearly the two best? prospects in the Braves system and do you feel that the Braves may continue to be very aggressive with both Waldrop and, and Smith-Shaver as we've seen them be with prospects in the past including Smith-Shaver last year I think for I mean they're definitely both the top two prospects in the system um, I don't the Braves have really when you look at their top guys in the system like their top one to two guys the guys that the Braves specifically themselves like not necessarily the guys in the top 30 prospect lists on MLB.com, but the guys that the Braves internally like, guys like Smith, Chauver, and Waldrop, they tend to not trade those guys because, again, you need – you don't need five starting pitchers. You need 10 starting pitchers to get through a major league season. And so the Braves are going to hold on to pretty much anybody that they think is a major league talent, and both of those guys they think are major league talents. I think if you look at them right now, I don't think Waldrop would – I think both could be in the rotation sometime this season. I don't think that Waldrop – between the two, Waldrop I don't think would start the season in the rotation just because where his command is right now, it's not good enough to play at the major level. If we're talking raw stuff, absolutely, it's the best mix of pitches in the system, and it's not – actually that close he's just better than everybody else in the system in terms of that regard but he needs to make a ton of improvement in terms of his command and it really got him into trouble in times at double a AA and triple a last year and i think he he could land at either double AA a and triple a he'll be at one of those two levels they did move him up to triple a at the end of the season last year 
whether they'll keep him there or not, I'm not sure exactly because they did a lot of weird things with pushing guys at the end of the season they haven't done before. And so we'll kind of see how they play that going forward because they never really like at the end of the year, they pushed a lot of their double A guys up to triple A just to get them extra time for the last week or so of the season. They've never done that before. So we have to see what they're going to do with that. But Waldrick would land up at double A or triple A. I just don't think that that command is ready for the major leagues right now. And he has the highest ceiling in the system by a wide margin. He's the one guy in the system that you really look at and say, long-term, if you're looking as a, at a replacement for free, a guy who can be a real number one for your team, Waldrop is that guy. And they're going to give him all the chances they can to develop that. And that may lead to a situation like with Kyle Wright a few years ago or with Kyle Muller, where maybe he is better than some of the guys at the major league level, but you worry about his long-term development. You leave him down even when the opportunities may present themselves and let him develop at his pace and see where it goes because he's not, he's the type of pitcher where you don't. And this is, I'm not saying this is a knock on him or anything, but he's a type of talent that you don't want to mess with. You don't want to pull him and yank him back and forth and suddenly mess with his flow. You want to let the guy really develop the way that he can. And so they're, going to let him determine what he does if he goes down to triple a and absolutely dominates they're going to give him a shot if he has growing pains which he probably will they're going to leave him down there even if an opportunity presents itself miss shaver i don't think he's the favorite to win the fifth starting spot right now but he's a, a between the two, his command, he still has command question marks and there's question marks with both his slider and his changeup, but his command is good enough at this stage. And he has that major league experience already where if one of the two is going to make the roster, I would assume it would be Smith Schauber, but he would be at AAA to start the season. And long-term, I like Smith Schauber a lot. Knowing who he, you know, as an athlete, who he is as, uh, as a worker, and who he is as a talent there's a lot of faith in the system and amongst the people that evaluate the system from the outside there's a lot of faith with smith shaver that long term right now his stuff is a mixed bag there are days the slider looks great there are days the sliders look looks absolutely awful there's a lot of faith that he has the ability to develop that and develop long term and the player that you saw at the major league level last season, he had some success. He had struggles. That player isn't necessarily the player that you're going to see this year. There's a lot of development with him. He's still only 21 years old. He's barely gotten his feet wet as a full-time pitcher. And again, he's a guy that if necessary, they'll be patient with him. But if he proves himself, I think he would have a chance to make the major league rotation fairly early this season. That's wonderful news to hear. Definitely, definitely a lot of encouraging, positive things. But the key is, is that obviously, you know, you would love to see success from Waldrop or Smith Shaver at an early age at the major league level. But one big key about the moves that the Braves have made so far, 
this offseason. You had talked about it. Um, the fact that you need 10 pitchers, not five, to get through the regular season. The Braves have invested a lot into their pitching this offseason, not only now but into the future, but for this year specifically, they should have plenty of depth. So if Waldrop and, or Smith-Shaver are just knocking on the door, sure, let, it, let them see what they can do. But I agree with you, the Braves are in a good position to also kind of let them develop without having to you know, go back and forth a lot like they did last year due to all the injuries. Garrett, always a pleasure with you. I always feel so much more informed about the Braves minor league system and it seems like that there's a lot of positive energy coming from this, you know, 2024 international signing class for the Braves. What else is on the horizon for you and the minor league staff at batterypower.com when it comes to the lead up to spring training heading into the 2024 season? Uh, the major thing is, and I've mentioned it a couple times, our top 30 list, we're actually going to start rolling it out next week. That's the plan is to roll out the top 30 list next week. That's really our, you know, our biggest project every year. We do it twice a year is our top list. We dropped it to 25 last year because, you know, the system's not in the best position right now. But we really felt like they've improved enough as the system as a whole that we felt like you know, we were going down to 30 and there are guys down to 35, 36 that we really like. So we're back up to top to a top 30 list. That'll be coming out next week. And we're really excited to get started on that. Absolutely. And as always, we are, you know, ready to be able to, you know, to see the list revealed. Garrett, I imagine probably over the next two or three weeks, I'll be reaching back out and we'll have you back on to really dive in deep to the top 30 list. But his name is Garrett Spain, again, the head of the minor league uh, coverage at BatteryPower.com. You can find him a great follow on social media at Braves MILB on X slash Twitter. Uh, Garrett, are you on Instagram or anything else, any of your work on any of the other social media sites? It is not. It's uh, solely Twitter for me. Uh, same here, same here. Yeah, but uh, but Garrett does excellent work, and we always enjoy talking with him. Uh, if you have the opportunity, go back uh, to the um, 2023 draft. A great coverage from him um, on the uh, 2023 draft class. But for Garrett Spain, my name's Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Daily Hammer. We'll be back with you again. You can find all the great content on the Braves uh, Battery Power Podcast Network when it comes to BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power SPN, across all forms of social media, free on all podcast platforms. So Garrett Spain, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. Mm-hmm.